0: Welcome back to the LearnNeto Podcast, where I speak to awesome programmers, designers, and marketers so you can learn from their experiences. Check out all our episodes on learnnetto.com forward slash podcast. While you're there, also have a look at the amazing courses on making web apps, designing mobile apps, growing your startup, and more that we have launched this week. And don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to get exclusive discounts on courses and new podcast episodes right in your inbox. My guest today is Taylor Pearson, entrepreneur, marketing coach, and writer. Taylor is the author of the best-selling book The End of Jobs about a new landscape of the job market. I invited Taylor to talk about his background and discuss the interesting thesis of his book that in today's world it's safer to start your own business than to work for someone else. Let's listen to Taylor's story. Hi Taylor, how are you doing? I'm great, excited to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to have you. Um, I only recently discovered your blog and your book and then your Facebook group through which we connected. So yeah, I'm really pleased to have you on the show. Just to get started, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience?
1: Sure. So my name is Taylor Pearson. At this point in my life, I am an author, writer, and also a consultant coach. My background for the last maybe half decade has been primarily in digital marketing. I've worked at a local marketing agency. I worked kind of in-house as a marketing manager for an e-commerce business based in San Diego. We sold uh, kind of a range of things, but mostly B2B hospitality equipment. And then over the past, that was maybe a couple years ago. And over the past couple of years have done kind of consulting around online marketing and also around what I'm going to call kind of like business systems. So um, operational efficiency. Uh, And then Last year, released my first book, which is kind of taking me into this next phase. As I'm starting to do more writing, more publishing, and also kind of courses and, and that thing.
0: Sounds great. We'll definitely get into sort of the meat of what you do now and your work in marketing and writing. But the, the most interesting thing I noticed on your website was it says you used to be a Brazilian Super Bowl champion. <laughs> so yeah, I graduated from
1: college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I really wanted to get out of the States. I'm, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, which is kind of a small to medium-sized city in the southeastern U.S. And I kind of had this sense that what Whatever it took, I really wanted to kind of escape or to just like see the world that I was not something that, you know, many people around me were doing that kind of everyone stayed in the same area and did kind of the same things. So yeah, I, I met this guy through a friend of a friend who had an English school in Brazil. And he said, you know, if you come teach at my English school, mm-hmm. you know, you can make enough money to live in Brazil. And I said, great. And so I bought a one-way plane ticket to Brazil to teach English and ended up discovering that there was a Brazilian American football league, which I did not even know existed. But I played football in college, American football in college. And so started playing with the team for the nine months I was there. And... I happened to join the team that was already the best in the league, so I was kind of free-riding along, and uh, we, we ended up winning the Super Bowl, nice. or the Brazilian version of the Super Bowl. That...
0: That's amazing. That's super cool. I, I didn't even know there was a Brazilian Super Bowl. That's, that's super cool. But that was a sort of a hobby or, or a one-off thing you did? You didn't continue playing? No, it or... was...
1: Um... I guess you would call it like semi-pro at the time. I So no, no one was, it wasn't like a full-time thing for anyone, but they like, they would cover your travel expenses and you get free food and equipment. So it was kind of a, a fun thing I was doing on the side. Okay,
0: cool. Great. Okay, so get, getting back into sort of your main thing. So how, how did you get into writing? That's a good question. I think I've always been into writing to
1: some extent. I won like a, there was like a civil war writing competition when I was in fourth grade that I remember entering and and winning. There was a, I tried to, the movie, the book Dune is one of my favorite books of all time. I read it for the first time in eighth grade and I tried to write an equivalent amazing sci-fi novel in eighth grade (laughs) to very, very poor results. (laughs) But yeah, I think it was something I always, I studied history in college, and studying history basically means writing papers. So it was something I've kind of always, I think, done, and really it was in the last couple of years that it went from something I was doing on the side. So I was doing a lot of, um, like I mentioned, consulting and digital marketing, um, and writing is certainly a part of that. And it was also something I was doing on the weekends, so kind of the first couple of years of my sure. writing career as it exists now, was on Saturday mornings, I would go to the coffee shop and I would write, you spend... Mm-hmm two to four hours and write a blog post and publish it. And that was kind of what started the snowball rolling. And eventually that got enough momentum that it kind of became the full-time thing.
0: Okay, cool. And so, so is that, that's how your blog as it exists now started?
1: Yeah, it started as a, I was basically, I was working with this, I think I started in Brazil initially, kind of as just like a way to catalog my learnings. And I think the other thing I really realized about blogging and podcasting, kind of anything you publish on the internet is it's just a great way to connect with people that someone can see, kind of they can read a couple of posts and kind of get a sensor for what you're about. And so it was, it wasn't super strategic in the initial stages. So it started as something that was more of a hobby. And I think more and a hobby. It was something I wanted to kind of start to collect a body of work that I thought that would be valuable sometime in the future. And also as a way to connect with people. There's actually a, a blog post I remember reading by Derek Sivers, and I still remember the URL, it's Sivers.org slash XN. And it kind of says that, you know, if you wanted to meet people that were doing interesting things, you used to have to move to the city. You know, if you wanted to be in music, you had to move to LA. If you wanted to be in books, you had to move to New York. And that was kind of the, the thing. But the, the internet created this possibility where you don't really have to move to New York or LA, you just have to kind of move mm-hmm. to a certain corner of the internet where other people are writing and talking about these things. And so I kind of started the blog as a way to move to that corner of the internet
0: okay cool yeah like so can you give us a few examples of what were you writing about like who were you writing to did you have an audience in mind at the time it was mostly
1: kind of a way of like cataloging and organizing how i was thinking about business and my career so i would go and you know from monday to friday i would um i was doing online marketing and then i would sit down and i would kind of taught marketing and business and entrepreneurship. And so that was kind of the group I was trying to cultivate, That other people that were interested in those ideas.
0: Okay, great. And then over time, did you find that that sort of content or uh, that topic was doing well and you found you connected with people? Because that, that is still remains your focus, writing about entrepreneurship. Uh,
1: it is. I think the the writing's gotten more targeted in terms of exactly who it's for. Okay. It used to kind of be. It was something. It's always been something sort of professional. I never. You know. It was never like dating or relationship advice or health advice. But it was kind of just whatever professional thing I was thinking about was kind of what started. And I found certain things interested me more than other things. And I wrote more about those things and certain things resonated more with people than other things. And so I started to kind of like do that Venn diagram overlap of like, okay, we know what's something that I'm interested in that other people care about and started to focus on that, that kind of central point.
0: Okay, great. And you said at the time, Monday to Friday, you were working doing marketing stuff. What kind of marketing, what were you working on? So the the
1: main company I worked on, I was actually I was hired by two entrepreneurs. It was relatively small, we were about 20 or 25 people e-commerce business based in San Diego. And our main, we had a few product lines. We sold cat furniture. We sold valet parking equipment, like black boxes that parking valets will keep your keys hmm. in when they park your car. And then we sold portable bars, which were uh, like you'd use at a wedding or a special event that you roll the bar out onto the lawn or into the ballroom and kind of have portable serving space. And so that was the, the main company I worked on. It was, they just launched it when I came to the company, they felt like it was kind of like the biggest growth potential. It was the smallest part of the business at that point. And so I spent two years really focused on growing that. And by the time I left, it was the
0: biggest part of the business. Oh, wow. Cool. And was it that experience that led you to, to write the book? How did the book come about? The book's called The End of Jobs, and the premise of the book is
1: that jobs are getting more competitive and less profitable, and entrepreneurship is getting safer, more accessible, and more profitable. So the company I was working with in San Diego was run by two guys who also ran another company, which has a podcast associated with it called Tropical MBA. And so they were running this one company in San Diego kind of selling uh, B2B e-commerce. And then they were doing sort of what I was doing. You know, they were part of the inspiration for what I ended up doing was they would kind of get on this podcast and talk about it, you know, like, hey, we got this e-commerce company and we run it, you know, mostly remotely. One of them lived in Asia full time and the other one was in San Diego part of the time, but also traveled a lot. They were started to talk about, you know, how do you run a business over the internet, what is that? What is that like? And so eventually that turned into a a business unto itself. They had a community of kind of travel-minded entrepreneurs and they had an event every year in Bangkok. And so that was kind of the genesis of the book was that I had all of a sudden these two very different groups of friends in my life. I had friends I'd grown up with, most of whom were in kind of traditional careers, particularly in the Southeast, which are, you know, accounting, corporate, mid-level manager, lawyer, doctor. Um, and then I had this other group of friends who were kind of technologists or marketers and had these businesses that they were either working in or working with and were living in Asia. And their careers were moving much, much more quickly than kind of my friends in traditional career paths in you know Memphis and Birmingham, Alabama. Before I went to college. And so the book was kind of an examination of like, why are these outcomes so different? You know, why are people on these two different tracks, both of whom are intelligent, all of whom are hardworking, getting such different outcomes?
0: Right. Yeah. I mentioned the Tropical MBA. That's one of my favorite podcasts. So for the listeners, if you don't know about that one, you definitely need to check it out, especially if you're interested in starting your own business or just exploring entrepreneurship. Absolutely amazing. Bunch of people doing that one. Yeah. So I I actually just finished reading your book today. To be honest, it was a very quick read, but yeah, I I found it really... Really, really fascinating. Just the whole thesis of the book and how you present it and, and all the various examples that you give throughout the book. And I, I, w- I want to dig in a little bit more as about the main thesis of the book. The book is called The End of Jobs. And like you just said, it's about how entrepreneurship is actually now the safer option rather than getting a job. But do you really believe it's the end of jobs? Or do you, do you think it's just that more people are going to be entrepreneurs? So I actually took the,
1: the title of the book was inspired by a book called The End of History. Or an, really, it was an essay by, called The End of History. It turned into a book by a guy named Francis Fukuyama, who was I him a political economist. Um, but he wrote this essay right after the fall of the Berlin Wall called The End of History. And kind of the premise is, you know, for all of history, there had been these kind of different major competing political economic systems. So like over the course of the, the 20th century, you saw fascism and communism, and then there was, you know, liberal democracy. And so what the essay kind of says is, you know, when the USSR kind of resigned... Uh, And went away peacefully that that was that kind of communist structure was the last real competition in terms of a form of government other than liberal democracy and that, you know, we were on this path where every, uh, you know, over time, eventually all governments were going to move towards the principles of liberal democracy. And so I, I think I'm saying the end of jobs is kind of the same way. I think we're at the end of jobs now and the same way we were at the end of history in 1990, that this is the direction everything is moving and not kind of all previous forms of organizing work I think are being disproven so you might call it like peak jobs would be a more accurate term
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah because one of the things I remember from the book is there is a, a table which sort of shows a gradation of you know someone who's completely running their own business and not in a job and not or or in, or in college or university and that's a hundred percent entrepreneur and then you can go down where you maybe you are in a job but you're doing some entrepreneurial pursuits on the side maybe you have a side project or side business or you're just entrepreneurial in your job and then you just only do your job and you know you sort of the old school and that's zero percent entrepreneur I suppose. That seems more you know that people will fall along this spectrum more rather than at the at, the, uh, at both the extremes.
1: Yeah, I think so. And that's, I think, one of the things that I wanted to kind of explore in the book and talk about, which is when we talk about entrepreneurship or when you read about entrepreneurship in the press, that usually it gets kind of very closely associated with Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, those kind of figures, and it's portrayed as this something you're born with or, you know, said that there are these special chosen people that do this. And so I kind of wanted to debunk that mythology and say that, you know, this is, um, it's a skill set, right? It's like, you know, learning to lift weights or learning marketing or learning coding or, or whatever. Right. That there are certain principles and there's certain ways you do it and you practice it over time and you get better and better and better at it. And, you know, there's, you know, ways you can kind of go through that progression.
0: Yeah, I have this quote from your book in front of me. Entrepreneurship is a skill set that can be acquired. And you talk about this one specific method, the, the stair step method, which Rob Walling talks about. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So Rob is a guy I interviewed for the book.
1: Uh, he runs a podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us, which is also a great podcast, particularly for technical founders or aspiring technical founders. And I think Rob's story is really inspiring mainly because of how very small it started. So Rob, he started his first product was a duck boat ebook. So he had this instructional guide for duck hunters in the U.S. These people like, will. Bo- Construct these boats that hide them from the ducks, so they can shoot the ducks. The ducks don't see them, uh, and the, you you can't buy them prefabricated. You have to you have to kind of buy another type of boat and modify it. And so he wrote a, an ebook explaining to people how you modify. Uh, you know, the kind of the stock boat in order to make it into a duck boat. And that was his first product. And as far as I know, he is still the the world's foremost leading authority on uh, custom duck boat <laughs> eBooks. And over 10 years, he started to stair-step his way. So he started with a product that is single sale. So it's not recurring. It's not SaaS. It was targeted at a specific market. Um, so it's very like, you know, People wanting to build duck boat ebooks that's also very uncompetitive. So he was able to get traction relatively quickly. Like he, he ranked number one in Google for how to build a duck boat pretty quickly. Uh, and so that was kind of the first thing, and he built on that, and you know, some of his other. Projects were you did wedding websites on kind of a consulting basis here. You know, if this was in the kind of early 2000s when there weren't all these wedding website builders, but if you wanted a wedding website, he would build one for you. He had a job board for electricians. He had some accounting software. And that was kind of maybe his first step up that he moved from simple products to software. So he had some accounting software. He moved from accounting software to an SEO software called Hittail, which he recently sold, but he bought, uh, kind of revitalized that over for 5 years and then sold it. And now he runs, you know, a seven figure email marketing software as a service company that's doing very very well and growing very very quickly and so kind of his experience of going through this and you know over the last 10 to 12 years looking at other people trying to do the same the thing he kind of saw was you know we read these stories in the press about Mark Zuckerberg whatever and people try and go for the moonshots but that the people who started with simpler products with simpler business models then stair-stepped their way up into more complex products more complex business models recurring revenue had a much higher long term rate of success
0: right yeah I mean does that would you say that applies to your own career as well to some extent
1: Yeah, I would say very much so. I mean, I worked in, a a lot of what I learned, I learned working in a job, basically, working in an entrepreneurial company. So I worked in two companies for a total of about maybe three, three and a half years that were under 25 people. I worked directly with the founder and I had a lot of kind of leeway over the the direction of the company and particularly the direction of the marketing, which is kind of the skill set I was building. And so that was kind of my first stair step. And I, I would call that an apprenticeship that I went to these people running kind of the types of business I wanted to be able to run and I worked directly with them because I wanted to understand how this business was run and you know what it felt like to be inside these businesses and how they grow and the systems they were using and everything else. So that, that was kind of my first step. Maybe my next step was kind of independent consulting, doing my own thing, and then the next step for me was the most recent one, which is the book, which was my first product. And now I'm working on other products. I'm planning on releasing a masterclass product in a few months. So that's kind of my next stair step. Okay,
0: wonderful. That sounds very interesting, especially given what we're doing here at Leonardo. Just briefly, I wanted to get into a little bit about your coaching. So I was looking on your website and you have a lot of very useful content that you provide for free to for people to find out what you do professionally. And one of the things I noticed was daily rituals, weekly reviews, and quarterly planning. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so that's actually kind of that's what the masterclass is going to kind of cover's
0: right. been one of the things I've been
1: developing over the past four or five years for myself personally there's a great book actually called getting things done by David Allen and he talks about kind of like a personal productivity system and I read that about five years ago it was really helpful and was kind of like the start of learning how to organize myself and learning how to you know like manage tasks and plan and so I've been kind of revising and updating that over the past five years years. Uh, and, and I think plugging in some of the holes that exist in that system that um, you know, it doesn't really deal with how you operate in an entrepreneurial environment. So it's very good for if someone's telling you what to do and you just kind of have to manage all the incoming tasks and put them on your to-do list. But if you have to actually figure out what to do, how do you do that? And so that's kind of the system I've developed, which is how do you set quarterly goals, break those down into weekly chunks, break those down into daily chunks, and then actually make consistent progress every day towards Your long-term goals.
0: Okay, and who is it aimed at? Who's the audience for this training? I think that's kind of what I'm trying to
1: figure out. I think one thing that happens a lot with, at least for me, with things I release is the people that respond to them are not always the people I expect. But (laughs) I think it's targeted kind of at what I would call people that are in within a thousand days of starting a business. What I mean by that is I think. People kind of have their their lead up that maybe two or three years that they start to hear about people running businesses, people doing these kinds of things. And they start to kind of acquire these entrepreneurial skills, either on the side, or they get an entrepreneurial uh, position in a company, and then maybe those first three years where they're really kind of still figuring out the kind of block and tackle
0: basics of their own
1: business. So it's aimed at people sort of in that window.
0: I see, okay, because it sounded like I need to take this course, (laughs) Um, you know, because I I, I don't follow GTD as such, Um, I have my own you know ad hoc system that I've created, uh, mainly using Trello and you know, sort of personal notes, which I've been following. But the idea of reviews and sort of quarterly planning, that's definitely very appealing. And I need to do it in a more systematic way, I think. So I'll I'll definitely check out your masterclass when it comes out. Briefly wanted to talk to you about the community you're building while you're doing all these things. So I I joined your Facebook group for your book, The End of Jobs. And I'm absolutely blown away by how active it is. And it has almost 1,700 members, last I checked. And it really feels like a real community. How did that start? Well, thank you. I'm actually really excited about that.
1: So so it started as one thing I kind of learned in marketing is one of the best marketing tactics is to really get people, not necessarily tactics, but kind of strategies to get people really involved in the product. That if you, um, as you're kind of building a product, if you get people involved where they feel ownership in it, they're going to be Mm -hmm. one. They're going to be very supportive when it comes out, which is great, and they're also generally going to give you feedback to actually make the product better, so you can come out with a better product that's going to be more well received and better supported. And so that was kind of the genesis of the Facebook group. I was started writing this book, and I had uh, a few hundred, maybe two or three hundred readers of my site at the time, and I said, "Hey guys, uh, I'm working on this book, and it's about this." topic and I'm gonna start this Facebook group and kind of talk about what I'm doing, like what I'm writing or my writing strategies or my marketing strategies for this book and um, what I'm reading and the research I'm doing. And if you're interested, you know, I'd like to love for you to participate and get your feedback. Um, and so that's where it started with maybe a few dozen people out of that group. And then as the book went along and I kind of continued writing it and then eventually released it, more and more people kind of came into that community. And that's kind of just grown from there.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I really like your weekly post where you ask, what did you ship this week? And of course, you, you, you tell us what you ship. And of course, it's a great opportunity to brag about what you did. But, but it's it's a really cool, I, I love the discussion that goes on there.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's, that's something I've always found really inspiring when I like see, I like see a friend that I haven't seen in, you know, three months or six months and they'll be like, yeah, I got, you know, they'll list off all the things they've done in the last three months. I'll be like, Man, you shipped a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't ship nearly that much stuff. Like, yeah, I got to get back on it. Um, and so I think it's, I, I like that kind of peer pressure from other people. Like, you know, look, like they're really, you know, they're moving fast. They're shipping stuff. I need to get on this train too. So I thought it would be cool to, to do that inside the
0: group. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess that's sort of what some of the startup accelerator programs do, right? They have like a weekly dinner or something. And, and that's when you see how, how well your peers are doing. And yeah, that's a real motivator. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to keep following the group and keep trying to post every week uh, to keep me going okay cool i think we have one final main question just sort of talking about your coaching your blogging and and your upcoming masterclass what are your thoughts in general on online education where do you think it's going so i guess
1: i mean one thing i'm really excited about is just how accessible it is. I think, you know, it's easy to like lose context if you get, if you're kind of like in the middle of it. But I was actually at a museum uh, last week and they, they were displaying one of the Gutenberg Bibles. So like one of the first things that was ever printed on the Gutenberg printing press. I mean, it, it was this really cool thing because it, I, wow. I mean, that was an amazing moment, right? All of a sudden they could print, you know, they printed 50 Bibles in three months or so. I'm, I'm make, kind of making these numbers up, but um, much faster than, you know, you could have have a scribe copy the bible they'd all of a sudden created, you know, 50 copies of it. And so like this I mean that was kind of an amazing revolution that what happened over the next 500 years with the proliferation of books and knowledge and access to information was amazing compared to basically all of previous human history. And you know what what's happening with online education is that that's gone to an entire new level of magnitude, right? That, you know, things that you, like, you used to have to like crawl through university libraries to get, like, I remember having to go to the library and you'd have to file a request with the librarian for which books you wanted. And they would come in and then you don't, you would only have a week. So you have to like, sit in the library all week and take notes on them because you had to send them <laughs> back. Like now all these things are like on Google books, so you can get them on Amazon for like, you know, $10 or $20 or whatever. So I think that, I mean, that's, just the accessibility of it is exciting to me, and then I think the other aspect that's exciting is sort of the community that can be built around it. So that's very much what I wanted to do with my book. Like that, if you can have kind of a, a big idea or a goal, a purpose, and then rally people around it, that I think really improves the learning experience.
0: Cool. Yeah, I definitely agree. The community aspect, especially that's that's one of the features and sort of the thing that we're trying to really focus on at Learnato, and we we want to try and make a really good community for students. I think that so yeah, so that's, that's definitely one of the ex- most exciting things about it. Yeah, I think that's all the main questions I have for you. Just before we go, I want you to tell people where they can find you online and connect with you.
1: So my site is taylorpearson, T-A-Y-L-O-R-P-E-A-R-S-O-N dot M-E. And I'm at Taylor Pearson M-E, on Twitter and those are probably best places or come, uh, come hang out in the Facebook group it's called The End of Jobs if you search on Facebook
0: Awesome yeah we, we'll link to all of those things in the show notes and yeah to your book to your Facebook group and your Twitter that, that's awesome I really enjoyed this chat Taylor thanks so much for being on the show Likewise thank you for having me and thank you everyone for listening Cheers thank you That was Taylor Pearson entrepreneur, coach and author of the best-selling book The End of Jobs You can find the transcript of this interview on our blog at learnetocom forward slash blog if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes so that others can find it and enjoy it too. You can also get new episodes by signing up to our newsletter on lernetto.com and following us on Twitter at i I'm your host Rishi Mittal signing off. Until next time.